G'day and welcome to another Grinning Gold Rugby podcast with Matt Rowley, uh, sponsored by strike.com.au. Grab a cradle to hold your phone in the car from Strike. Um, and by the way, if you go there, buy something, use Grinning Gold Rugby as your code, you'll get 10% off. Anyway, joining me, these guys aren't discounted, they're full value. I've got uh, Scott Allen. Mate, how are you? Mate, I'm good. I'm overpriced, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Well, this next guy's pretty cheap. Steve Timms, how are you? Sup? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Oh, it's been a bit tough, hasn't it? A bit, a bit, a bit of a, the hangover, the post Lions hangover. I feel the last week. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of felt that, you know, mm. watching the watching the games on the weekend. It's like, meh. Well, you know, the, the other thing is that happened, and I guess this was maybe you didn't, you guys didn't feel it as red supporters. I'm putting you in that as well, Tim's. You try and pretend you're not, but you are. Um, <laughs> You know, was losing yet another one, right? Another close game. And, the, and I'm afraid, you know, the Lions, okay, it wasn't close by the end, but, uh, you know, 2-1. Um, the cricket, I mean, how amazing was that? I know this is a rugby podcast, but, you know, red-blooded Aussie male or red-blooded Aussie anyone couldn't have helped but been carried away by what happened uh, in that test match. It was, it was a cracker, wasn't it? Was, it was a good game. The bits I saw, uh, young Ashton. Yes. Did a good job, Ashton Did um, you see the the interesting? I saw some uh, comments today that I think the last eleven times we've lost by a close one, which mm. is fourteen runs and less, we've lost all of them. We haven't won a single close test yeah, no, in the last eleven t- close ones. It's not good, is it? No, no, so no. it's a bit like the rugby. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've got rid of uh, the overseas. Uh, coaches, so maybe something will change. But I, I, I suspect that those 11 tests probably stretch back quite a way. Um, but, yeah, no, it was great to see some good young talent and some, you know, kind of a different approach, um, both from coach and from players. Hopefully we'll see a bit of that uh, in the Wallaby camp as well. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, seeing all those, oh, I just I couldn't take, you know, yet another loss. And then it was, you know, the Reds, Tars on the weekend. And just, oh, another one. I guess we'll come on to that. I guess we need to talk about it at some stage. But, look, um, let's stop mucking around. We've got a great guest, so um, let's get him on. So joining us now uh, with a big game looming, 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 <laughs> looming this weekend um, is uh, good old Lord Laurie Fisher, mate. How are you? I'm oh, very well, thanks. Wonderful to be here. Good, mate. Good to have you on. Well, mate, a little bit's changed since we last talked to you. Um, a couple of big changes. Number one is uh, we lost the Lions series. Twelve years coming. A um, couple of close games, and then a big blowout at the end. Um, what do you reckon was the winning and losing of it in your eyes? Uh, oh, look, I, I, I guess the, the scrum implosion had a big impact in the third game that they, they really did get on the, fr- on the front foot. I, I thought they selected well in that last game. I thought they, they, they got a, a running back road, so the work of Fallotown O'Brien I thought was very important. And, and again, we just lacked any real structure in our game. And I, and I think that was probably indicative of the whole series that, uh, that 
it sort of required guys to do something special to to get out of jail, and, and we weren't able to do that uh, consistently. Because I mean, one of the things was even with that propping implosion, you know, we still managed to mix it up up front, and we managed to get back to within you know nineteen sixteen. So it kind of felt like it was still potentially up there for grabs, didn't it? Look, we we came right back into the game, but but again, just gave away a couple of soft penalties uh, and 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 a little bit of poor defence at the end. Some, you know, I think a, a bit of lack of communication in on, in a number of defensive areas. A little bit, a little bit of poor chase on some kicking. Uh, look, it doesn't take much for, for a side to just put a couple of tries on you, and uh, and then in the end, I I I think probably some guys may have not played the full game out. I you know I just. I suspect that uh, that we didn't finish the game as strongly as we should have. Anyway, th- that was that. We're, we're, we're trying not to dwell on it too much. Um, I guess you got to feel. Like, did, did the stronger side take it in the end? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I guess they, yeah, they they probably deserved the series win. I'd I'd certainly I don't think I don't think any did the third game, but but I, I think they probably just had the better of the key areas and, and, and the scrum being a key area, I think they probably had a, a slightly better of the, of the breakdown battle. Um, you know, they, it's just, just the small things and uh, you know, we, we, made a, we made a lot of errors throughout the series. We just looked a little bit rusty, a little bit unsure. You know, we had a, a lot of guys new to test rugby, so it's, uh, it, it just it was, wasn't our series, unfortunately, but, but I don't think there was a lot in it in the end. And mate, one issue that kind of popped up in that last match, which has been talked about a fair bit, was the knock that George Smith took, and um, you know, obviously knocked him out. Um, but then, any kind of, I think the phrase was he used, he kind of had those snake legs trying to get off the ground. Um, and yeah. then, but he was back on in five minutes. Is that a bit of a worry, or is there something we're not seeing um, that should make uh, us feel better about that? Yeah, well. Uh, look, I, uh, look, I'm, I'm not medically qualified to offer really offer opinion, but but I, did, I, I understand there's a difference between being knocked out and having a concussion. And uh, my my understanding is is that the testing that they do is not the test whether you get knocked out or it's to test whether whether you've got some form of concussion. And and again, I can my my assumption is that he passed those tests, and I certainly know on the Monday. Uh, after the game, he he was 100% clear in all all the scat tests and, and everything they do, and he continued to be clear all the way through the week. So he's had zero ill effect with regard to to the tests that they do. Um, why that is, I don't know, and, and and whether there's still an element of danger in it again, I don't know. So, uh, but it certainly didn't. It wasn't a good look. One of the things that's changed since we last talked, Laurie, was obviously we've got a new Wallabies coach. Uh, in Link, what do you reckon are his uh, top priorities uh, now that he's in place? Uh, uh, sort of a few things. I, I, I mean, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about team discipline, and I, and I think that's a big thing moving forward. Is to is to is to set set some standards, and everybody has to adhere to those standards. I think that's most important. Uh, I guess on the rugby side of things, again, I think I don't see a lot of coherence in our. In our kicking game out, out of sort of our DNC zone, it again looks fairly random to me, and, and uh, it's sort of kick and chase. So I, I, I think a, a coherent uh, sort of exit strategy on our, on our kicking game would be important. I think again, and a little bit of structure in our attack game. I, I think we, again, we we, we lack uh, uh, genuine 
um, sort of framework for how we play. Again, I think it's it's just a little too ad hoc and just relies on on guys seeing and going. And I, I think we need some a little bit more uh, infrastructure in our game so that guys really do understand where they should be and and, and how hard how quickly they need to get there. So maybe the three key areas for me. I mean, I think our set pieces has been. Uh, pretty solid for a couple of, of years now and, and, and I know that's probably difficult to say after after the, the, the scrummaging in the last game but again I, I, I don't think it's terminal, I think it's easily turned around That's great Laurie, so you know, now on to the Brumbies and I suppose we should start by saying congratulations conference winners, well done Yeah look, it's, uh, I think it's a fair achievement by us and it, it was disappointing to do it on uh, on the back of Saturday night's performance, obviously, but I think you need to reflect on the 16-game season so far and and where we've come from uh, in two seasons and uh, and and we've played. So we're certainly uh, reasonably pleased with where we are, but but we put ourselves in a position to to push further now, and that's what we need to do. And just on the game against the Force, I mean, from looking from the outside, it, it appeared that not just the Brumbies, but I thought the Waratahs and Reds as well. We're just struggling to get back into it after that break. Did you find that very disruptive? Yeah, very much so. Like, those guys have been away for for six weeks now, and and they've had a, you know like a number of guys have had a very very arduous six week period, three big games, uh, a demoralising loss in the end, uh, and then to just come back and try and acquaint yourself with, with the specific, and then to produce uh, uh, the energy that's required. Uh, travelling to Perth, and, and it was it was beyond us. Unfortunately, I, I thought our preparation during the week was okay, albeit a number of guys were on very very light training duty. So I think six weeks uh, out of out of it is a massive disruption, and it it certainly showed on Saturday. Yeah, and look, those those tries just before half time and just after half time really set you back. Were they the key yeah. to the match, or did you? Well, I think the key to the match was, I mean, they certainly heard us, but I think at, at 21-15 with, with, I don't know, 12 or 14 in the game, that we still had ample opportunity to win the game and weren't good enough. But cer- certainly I think the, the, the soft try off the scrum straight after half-time early in the second half was a, was a real nail for us. That uh, uh, it, it was poor defence by us that we... we we understood that, that Cummins would be running off nine off scrum and line out consistently during the game. We prepared for it, and then you know they got a you know, they you know, got a little bit of pressure on the scrum. We got our seven held, didn't get our nine back around quick enough, and and didn't make a good decision to jam early enough. So all those things combined to to, to provide a very good try and a, and a and a big lead for the for the force there. And in the end, we we couldn't make it back. So that was uh, disappointing for us. Yeah, and so this week into the finals with the cheaters coming to you, do you? I mean, the guys must be thinking about what if we'd won that game, we would have been in the top two. As coaches, do you address that, or is it just something that's not worth talking about? The missed opportunity. Oh, no, you have to move on. You can't talk about it. the only opportunity we've got now is to win on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, it, it, I'm sure it dwells in people's minds somewhere, and uh, but. It's not a it's not a matter of discussion. You've really got to move on, and you know we we we've done that, and and we're, you know, in the midst of preparing for the game on Sunday. So like we, we were disappointed 
you know, that, that in the end it was an opportunity lost for us, but but that's uh, that's life and that's rugby. You, you move on to the next opportunity. And the, the Cheetahs' recent form has been a bit patchy. What what do you make of them coming into the game? Yeah, well, look, they were they struggled against the Stormers uh, off the back of their three weeks off. Um, but then I thought, you know, they probably started a little slowly against the the Blues, but but finished very strongly. Um, you know, they're they're a, a challenging side to play because they've got so much variation in what they do, and they do challenge you every like they've got big, strong forwards. Uh, you know, they they typically typically abrasive, so they have a good team in the forwards, and then they've got you know the skill of of guys like Willie Larue and. And uh, and and the Pretorius or or a Van Zyl at halfback, so they they really do offer enormous amount of challenges. And when you when you try and pinpoint a few areas, you really can't. So it's sort of a day to to make sure that you've got you've got all your basics in place, particularly defensively. And then you've just got to you've just got to read what's in front of you and try and react and respond accordingly. Now, Laurie, we had a a guy, uh, a South African, uh, Sid Barrett, is his uh, sort of. Uh, his handle that he goes by. He wrote something yep. for us uh, during the week, and it was quite interesting. And he said um, that he thought the Reds looked a lot. Well, sorry, the Cheetahs looked like a lot like the Reds at the breakdown um, in, in, with their spoiling tactics. Uh, does any of that ring true to you? Well, certainly, Heinrich Brusso is uh, is one of the world's best. He's uh, he, he's an absolute uh, you know, champion in terms of contesting opposition ball. Enormously hard to shift. He's been very, very good for a number of years. So he's, he's a, a big challenge. I know that uh, that, that uh, Everson at twelve has got some good stats uh, on on being hard on opposition ball. So that you know that they'll put some big bodies through. They've got some good sevens players in the back row with Lovashkagny and and Van der Volt and and some of the big boys up front. You know, don't mind put, trying to put their bodies past the ball. So like if you give him a sniff. Uh, yeah, that, that, they can they can rock you off your ball. I mean, it's up to us to to get in early and and uh, get shoulders down and yeah, deny that contest and try and get a bit of tempo on our game. Well, well speaking of the contest and the, the 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 way they'll go about it, does the naming of the referee Glenn Jackson do anything to the preparation for you or for them? Do you think? Uh, um, it, it really doesn't change anything. That, that we would do. I mean, I mean, Glenn's. He's, he, I mean, he's, he's new. He's inexperienced at this level, but he's quite a competent referee. People seem to think he struggles a little bit at scrum interpretation. Yep. But 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 he's he's more than competent in game. So we've had him twice this year. We had him uh, against the Reds up in Brisbane. We had him uh, against the Stormers and. Um, like any game, that the, the things you agree with and there's things that you disagree with, and and that was certainly the case in those two games. But I think he's he's a fair referee, he's a fit referee, uh, he's a decisive referee, and and he's a consistent referee. And if he if he exhibits all those traits on on Sunday, then then both sides will get a fair crack. I mean, I've got a perception. I don't know if uh, how correct it is though that you know there's a, a bit of a tradition of some Kiwi referees who. Will let a fair bit roll at the breakdown. Um, you know, would you say that does he kind of fit that mould? That you know, he'll he'll kind of let let a fair bit go on there. I, look, I, I think I think he likes the, the players to provide the solutions, no doubt. And 
and I, and I think he's happy to contest. And again, that's that's only fair that 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 you you have to reward. Uh, you, know, you need to reward quality, and 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 if either the attacking or the defensive side is down in quality, then then the the other side needs to be rewarded. So you need to allow good contest. Uh, you don't like to see a game where where particularly tackle contest is blown out, and I, you know, I mean, we struggled we struggled uh, uh, a little bit with referee interpretation this year. You know, it's, you know, we we're the most penalised team in the competition, and and. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I look at a lot of those and, and I say, well, they're, you know, they're toss-of-the-coin decisions. So uh, I guess you're hoping for a few toss-of-the-coin decisions to go your way this weekend. And Laurie, just looking at the stats between the two teams, I mean, there's not a lot between you, you know, both in attack and defence. You know, one area that they, they look a little bit weak in is their defensive line-out. Is that something that you, you think you can uh, have a crack at them? Uh, yeah, but I mean they do compete. I mean I know they haven't uh, they haven't stolen a lot, uh, but they do compete. But uh, um, you know, like uh, uh, you know, we hope to get a, a good supply and good delivery from our lineout to get, give us a platform to play from, and and hope to get pressure on their lineout. Their lineout stats uh, in attack are very similar to ours, around the 87, 88% mark. So you know, they they do have a good lineout. We we need to get pressure on their lineout again because of the variation and the platform that provides them. Uh, and as I say, we, we, we'd fully hope and expect to, to execute well on our ball. Alrighty. Well, mate, look, it's, it's, it's been great talking to you, especially in the week in the lead-up uh, to such a big game. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a, a packed house down there in Canberra. should be a beauty, eh? Yeah, look, it should be good. We, after last weekend, we just need to return to to what we do best, and that's our, that's our focus this week about you know, controlling... Controlling the game and playing in the right areas and uh, defending with enthusiasm, and if we do those things, it's it's a finals game, so it, it's not going to be won necessarily by uh, expansive rugby, and it'll it'll, it'll be a, a true contest, I dare say. All right, mate. Well, look, go well. We're all rooting for you, no matter what colour shirt we'd usually be wearing. Um, it'd be great to see you guys go well. Fantastic. Thank you very much. All right, mate. Have yeah, a good, all the best, Laurie. Good luck. Cheers, Laurie. Cheers, lads. Bye, bye. All see the best. Right. You guys still... Right there, right there, right there. Always good to talk to Lord Laurie. Uh, always happy to offer up his honest opinion. Um, but look, why don't we just go straight into the uh, four Brumbies last weekend. I think it was a bit of a shock for everyone, wasn't it? What, what happened there? I mean, I must have been... I'm a little hazy. I was four hours into the pub by the time that game came on. Uh, but I kept looking up, and it was just kept going wrong. Scott, could you make any sense of it? No, I, I mean, I can't make any sense of what was happening. There were some uncharacteristic errors from some players who'd been playing well. Um, but I, I think the trend, and we'll talk about the other games in a minute, if you look at the three teams that really didn't play well, the Brumbies, the Waratahs, and the Reds, they're the ones that had most of their uh, the Wallabies camp so they've had guys away. They just they just didn't look like a unit, the Brumbies, that night. Mm-hmm. Um, guys coming back in, as Laurie just touched on then. Um, and, and certainly that's what it looked like. And you know, up until the last you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes to go, they started to click, uh, and then they made a couple of other errors. So it, I mean, it's not, not a great way to go in, is it? And I know Laurie says you know, they're not talking about it, but the reality is if they'd won that game, they finished second. 
uh, have a week off and then basically have home ground advantage for the next two weeks. But uh, that's two years in a row that their final game, the wheels have fallen off and it's cost them big time again because they've now they're on a pretty hard route home now. I do wonder if there's also just the same way we've had a bit of a, a mental hangover. I wonder if some of those players do as well. I mean, you know, gearing up to the most important, you know, rugby series you've been in and da-da-da, and then even worse than that, you lose it. Um, it, I, I, it you know, it, it's got to have some effect, hasn't it? Timsy, yeah. you, you've played at this level. Oh, yeah, a couple of times. Um, I, I always find it really pretty hard to get back into, so mm. I can imagine that that's exactly what it is. The the week before, I mean, it's not as if you're going to be totally focused. It's going to take you a few days to get over it before mm. you start getting into it. And, you know, mm. you, you obviously saw the teams that have... Had another had, had all that extra time together. It's mm. a lot easier. Yeah. And can you go with that, Scott? Or do you think these guys should, should be harder than that? Well, uh, they're, they're going to have to be harder than that. If we're going to become a rugby powerhouse again mm. at some stage in the future, we're going to need the core guys to be harder than that. You know, and and certainly not singling a guy out. But you just look at the example of Jesse Mogg, who has had the high of making his test debut, comes back and then. You know, for him not to put balls out on penalties like that and, mm. and miss them by 20 metres. I mean, mm. very unlike him. We've raved about his kicking. He's, you know, I think he's one of the best kickers in the country. Mm. So that's not a technique thing. That's got to be mental. And whether it's a letdown or whether it's, you know, they're tired or whatever it is, mentally, you know, a lot of the Brumbies didn't look there, as I said, nor did the Waratahs or the Reds. Mm. Um, so... I mean, the whole thing hasn't been great for Australian teams coming in so rusty. No, no, it definitely hasn't. All righty, so yeah, so that was uh, that was that. I actually haven't even got the scores up. Here we go. Um, I'm just assuming everyone knows these, but it was 21-15 in the end, uh, fourth v Brumbies. Um, all right, so let's let's get back a bit. Um, maybe we can put some something good in the middle of this um, shit sandwich. Um, Rebels Highlanders. So. I was out and about um, actually with a couple of um, other guys from the site in Sydney on uh, Friday night. And I think we were, uh, we walked out of a bar and um, just managed to catch the score. It was around about half time, um, I think, in that game. And it was 30 something to seven. And we just thought, oh, well, there you go. You know, Rebels have been completely blown off the park. It wasn't until like a day later I'd checked the score and saw that they'd, you know, pulled off an amazing comeback. Um, it was just you know a classic game of two halves. This one wasn't it? Um, you, did you guys both see this, Timsy? Did you see it? Yeah, I, I well, I watched a bit of it. I watched the uh, the good bit. The last half. Yeah, it was pretty much the the good bit. Yeah. I had a few people around, and when I eventually got back to the game, James O'Connor had just come on, and damn, he redeemed himself. He played great. He, I, you know, there was uh, the, the try that he put the young fella through for it. He, the week before. He would have gone himself, but he took the selfless option and played like a playmaker. Mm. And was he, he did the key a great di- job. Did, do you think he was the key difference there, Scott, or was the team... Because I've got to say, the guy who I couldn't believe, uh, he, the game he or half the game he had, was Luke Jones. He was just a man possessed. I, I don't know if I've seen anyone carry the ball like that um, for, for an Aussie team in a, in a, in a half of rugby. Um, he must have just blown the charts away, did he? Oh, I haven't had a look closely at the stats, but yeah, he had a really good game, didn't he? He oh. was fantastic. But look, I don't think it was uh, Jock on his own. He, he certainly contributed. It's one of the best games I've seen him play for quite a while. But the team had turned the corner by the time he came on. 
And he was there to put some really classy finishing touches. I mean, I think he really set up three tries. And as Timsey said, you know, he, he, was, he did take the ball to the line occasionally, but he was passing and distributing a lot better than he did in the test matches. So, I mean, I, I keep saying that I think he is a natural 10. He certainly isn't the Wallabies 10 or shouldn't be the Wallabies 10. He's got to go away and learn whichever coach he goes with, whichever team he goes with. You know, he's going to have to listen. He's going to have to have a good backs coach. Someone like Steve Meehan from the force, you know, would be good for him where he can actually start teaching him how to play it um, because he, he doesn't know how to play 10 at the moment. He, he had some great glimpses there. And, you know, you have to look at that, though, and say there was really nothing to lose. They were so far behind, they had a pretty free reign. And even when they went behind again or further behind and had to come back, you know, a second time towards the end, Still, no one expected them to win, so you've got freedom to start playing. It's it's when you're under pressure that's a really tight game that you know some of his flaws become evident. But certainly, look, the whole team um, and and the guys coming off the bench did a great job. Mm, Jordy Reed had a good run out as well, didn't he? Yeah. So uh, I mean, you look at it there and say there were so many guys finishing up. It would have been a dreadful way to finish. You know, at half time, they must have been sitting there thinking, you know, it's all sort of come crumbling down, mm. and yet. You know, they fought back really well. They actually played as a team. They end up having their most successful season so far with more wins than they've had in any, and uh, that the coach is gone. So that was the end of him. So in fact, two of the coaches are gone, aren't they? Because mm. uh, John Muggleton's gone as well. Yeah, he's, he's off to no fixed abode at the moment, isn't he? I haven't heard anything about where he's going. Mm. So mm, Good timing, eh? Um, to maybe link up with somebody uh, he's worked with in the past. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, so that's uh, Rebels. Like you say, it was pretty poignant for a lot of those guys moving on. Um, Gareth Dell fittingly had a great last game. What a servant he's been to that team since the very beginning. Um, I remember him being on this podcast, I think, in that first season. Yep. Um, and was always a, a, a great guy. He's officially Gagger's own once Indeed. he made an appearance, yeah. Yet, yet another stamp. Um, yeah, so you had a great game. Uh, you know, hopefully, I think I've kind of got an article brewing in me somewhere, which is I think the Rebels are a bit of a measure for Aussie rugby. Um, and the fact that they've kind of managed to galvanise a bit this year. I mean, everyone looks at the top teams like the Reds um, and the Brumbies and maybe even the Tars managing to not be quite such the mess they were last year. But I kind of think the Rebels are maybe even more of a bellwether, you know, being that last team in. You know, they talk about, you know, the, it's the kind of the... the, the the, the member of the, the herd that's, you know, last that kind of sets the pace. And I wonder if they do that also for Aussie rugby. So to see them kind of galvanising like that, I, I think is a really, really positive thing, especially when it's in the team rather than around um, sort of the stars that we, we're, we're used to maybe, or they're used to pinning their, their fortunes on. Uh, so a fantastic way for them to finish, not for the Highlanders. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a way to finish the season. And I see Marnonu's going to pull the pin on that as well. Oh, is he? Yeah. Now, where's he going? Well, the talk now is to go back to the Hurricanes. Oh, so they're back on the slide. <laughs> so, <laughs> but for a team that had that many, you know, decent players and the big signings they got, the Highlanders were just an absolute flop this year, weren't they? Oh, yeah, they were. But, you know, one of the things, I was just trying to remember, what is it that's changed about the Highlanders? And, and by my memory, you really saw it in the second half as... You know, or maybe I've got this wrong, but in my memory, you know, up until last year, the Highlanders used to absolutely belt the breakdown. I mean, they used to flood, you know, and, and I think we used to have stats on how many men they used to commit to breakdowns. 
And by memory, it was much higher than anyone else, but they were willing to contest that. And they used to force a lot of turnovers that way and used to use a lot of turnover ball. And as I watched them against the Rebels, they had the most passive line of defense that you'd ever seen, and that, which really helped the Rebels. Just, you know, they just kept taking the ball to the line with their forward charges and, 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 and short offloads. Um, whereas, you know, in my memory a year ago, the Highlanders would have had you still wrestling at, 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 the, at the ruck. Have you seen that change, Scott, or am I dreaming this up? No, I think you're right there. I think in, in you know they, they you know and and southern rugby, southern New Zealand rugby, you know they have, they have a saying of it: the southern man's tougher than the northern man, um, and it's, so it's always been forward orientated play, really hard at the breakdown, really hard in contact. They look like what they've tried to do is open up a little bit and play a you know wider sort of game, and you know cover some of the width um, in their defence and. They've got away from their knitting, basically. And, uh, you know, whether there's a way back to go back to how they were or to get some sort of blend, just right from the start this year, it didn't, didn't function with them. Uh, you know, look, it was similar for the Rebels. The Rebels had a, you know, a pretty poor first half of the season. And then after the big blow-up in South Africa where they, they got belted both on the bus and on the field, <laughs> um, they then, you know, they galvanised. It was amazing how they came back together and... You know, you've got to say that really that was without Jock and Kirtley. Um, they galvanised best. And it's no wonder that they haven't offered either of them a contract or, you know, Kirtley told them he wasn't staying, whatever the story is there. You know, and, and they've got some really good young players and they've signed some good guys. Um, you know, I bet uh, that they were they ruined missing out on uh, Bernard Foley. Yes. Um, who agreed then changed his mind because uh, that would have, I think, really been a, a nail for them. But, but still, they've got a good side and some good guys coming to them. Yeah, and that Hegarty seems to have some good raw skill, um, still looking a bit young. But um, you know, then again, a year ago, Bernard Foley um, you know, kind of wasn't anywhere, so who knows what might happen there. But anyway, look, I think the final score there, by memory, was it 39-34? Um, with the Rebels scoring, I thought, something like, it was called 38. 38-37. Oh, jeez, was it only a point? That's your yeah. right. Yes, it was, because they got a penalty, didn't they, the Highlanders? That's it. right. Yeah. Um, all righty, so um, anyway, a, a good win for them. And then there was the game before that, uh, the Tars-Reds. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how to describe that one, except um, I, my memory of that was just the last, was it the last 10, 15 minutes where the Tars just ran themselves and the Reds and everybody into the ground, um, spent a heap of time down, you know, the right end of the field, but just couldn't take any points away. Um, you know, what happened? It was a frenetic pace, wasn't it? Oh, well, they were shattered after the game. You saw people just fall, flopping onto the ground. Um, what what didn't go right in this game, Scott? Well, I think it, it's it's a bit like the Brumbies. You know, they had two teams that had a lot of players that have been away. No matter how much the others have been training, you know, there's key guys not there. Um, the Reds obviously were missing Genia, which you know doesn't help their flow. Um, but you know, they they look like two rusty teams. Some of the errors that they were both making were incredible. Um, so that that break really hasn't helped, you know, those three teams that made up the majority of the Wallabies. Um, the other teams, obviously, because of the Lions, been back into it for two weeks. So they just looked really rusty. Um, yeah, I think also without guys like Israel Folau being there for the Tars, you know, 
they, they, you know, he's a go-to man for them. He's been so good in attack. He's been a real central feature. And look, unfortunately, from the Tars' point of view, Foley had you know a poor game. He's been playing so well. So that that just broke their attack down a little bit. Um, the Reds' attack just started, you know, a couple of good things, some bad things. Um, Quade Cooper didn't have a great game. I thought Nick Frisbee had a pretty good game at nine, but yeah, outside of Cooper, there's there's just not a lot happening. And the number of times that the Reds put in, you know, these little kicks where they're trying to attack through a short kick, and I think that's because there's just not enough options for guys to hit. Um, but you know, look at the well, end taps- of the day. Taps looks pretty disinterested, uh, or he did. Um, there's no Yuani who does a lot of the running off Quaid. And, yeah, no one else was really putting their hands up. So, I mean, I, I'll admit going into the game, I tipped the Waratahs to win it. So I kind of thought that they wouldn't quite get their stuff together, So, especially with the injuries that were there. But there was so lacklustre from both of them. I mean, look, the Reds' defence was really good. I yeah. mean, they they were disciplined uh, not to give the you know, penalty was away in front of the posts there. They were under a lot of pressure. I mean, it looked for yeah. all money like the Tars were going to roll over the top of them. And yeah. really, you've got to say, you know, that's three games that I can think of, and there may be more, but that's three games in the back half of the season where the Waratahs have lost it by missing a penalty or a kick. Um, sort of, you know, in the in the dying minutes, mm. and and all three of them, you know, you thought they would have got. Um, well, it worked for them at the beginning of the season. You know, I, I remember wins over like the Chiefs and the Blues um, at home. We you know they were doing this with kicks on the death, but it's just gone. And I mean, you know, Beric Barnes, who'd been the hero in those couple of matches, um, you know, can't take a trick. I mean, you know, by my count, he kind of lost that game three times over. Um, with 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 two, I know that's a bit harsh, but you know, with 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 two shots at goal and then a drop goal at the end there, which just, I mean, you know, it looked like an effort from me. Um, it was a disaster. But and I know that all sounds a bit harsh, but I mean, you know, you got an international ten, you know, in your side. Don't you expect them to be able to slot one of those? I was actually very disappointed not to see Ben Robinson have a go. I mean, bouncer can do it. So <laughs> everyone knows that loose head prop for the Tars can drop goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon you've got to look at the organisation there and just they got flustered at the end. Mm. Um, the reality was that, you know, Barnes was on the wrong side of the ruck to receive the ball. Yeah. They panicked and he tried a left foot drop kick. Why? I mean, yeah. yeah. Now, I know, I know, you know, you get those to come off training, but it's not the same to win a game under pressure after the bell. You know, if the ball comes to him and it's on his left foot, Realistically, an international player should have had the nous to say, I can't kick this, I'll truck it up. Yeah. And we'll reset again, and then it'll be fired out to someone on the right foot. You know, Foley would have been there, or Barnes could have got back up in another three or four phases, or earned a penalty. Instead, he took the high-risk option. So, uh, look, I hope he enjoys his time in Japan. <laughs> uh, well, it just did look like mentally... And we talked about this in this other game they, they kind of lost there, where he, when he rushed that kick. Um, was it the Rebels? I'm trying to remember. The now. Crusaders. Crusaders, that was it. Yeah. And mm. um, you just kind of, it looked like mentally it was kind of like, oh, let's just get this over and done with, um, rather than, look, you know, let's make this work as you described. Um, but in the end of the day, it was uh, 12-14 or, uh, to, to the Reds who took that one away. Um, but where does this all leave us? So, mate, the permutations as far as, you know, who we might be seeing play whom. Have you uh, had a bit of a look through? 
Yeah, well, look, you know, just before we go on to who's playing whom, I just, I just thought it might be worth a quick summary of where the top six teams are. I mean, the Chiefs, when you look at them, they haven't been... They weren't at their best last week, and the week before that they were belted by the Crusaders and absolutely, you know, smashed. So they don't go into the finals with great form. They've got a week off. The Bulls, well, they were whacked by the Stormers last week, so they get a week off, but they haven't finished the season off very well either. Um, Brumbies, well, you know, realistically, they, as we've said, they missed an opportunity and they stumbled at the last hurdle two years in a row. You know, that's got to leave some mental questions for some of the younger guys there. So, um, you know, they haven't gone in great form. The good part for the, the Brumbies is that, you know, they go in and play the Cheetahs, who have been pretty patchy and had a bye last week. So they're going to be a little rusty. The Brumbies will be better, given they've had a game together. So, look, I, I think the, the Brumbies, you know, are a big show. Uh, the problem for the Brumbies is that if they win, they've then got to get on the plane and go over and play the Bulls. So, you know, a lot of travel involved. Uh, the Bulls have had a week off. Um, so, you know, the Brumbies, by losing that game, have got the hard road. If, if they happen to beat the Bulls in South Africa, which is no, uh, no mean feat, they then come back. They'll either go to New Zealand for the final or they could even host the final. And I'll get to that in a minute, how that could work. Um, the Reds, look, they certainly weren't at their best. Uh, they haven't been at their best all season. You know, they've had half a game their best. So, you know, they've played a, a great half against the Sharks. And, and they probably played their best game against the Chiefs, but that was quite a while ago. Um, they've been very patchy. So they're not in great form. They go up against the guys who, you know, even though the Crusaders didn't play fantastically last week, if you look at their form two weeks ago when they belted the Chiefs, I think the Crusaders are probably the form side going into the finals. Well, they're, so the, the, they're the only side that's won four, their last four games. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, so the Reds have got a very hard road through them. Um, I, I tend to think that actually there's probably a fair chance that if the Crusaders get through that game that they'd be favourites for the title because they would then go on to play the Chiefs. And they they just blew the Chiefs away two weeks ago. So I think they've got a leg up there. If the Reds were to get through the Crusaders, and, and that will be no mean feat. Um, the Reds will have to play like they haven't played for, oh, you know, two good, probably, well, no, seven or eight games. No, look, I think when they last played the Chiefs, you know, if they play like that, you know, yep. there'll be a very good show against the Crusaders. They, they, know, they also clean sweep the tour of New Zealand this year, so they can do it. Yeah, they can do it, but they're going to have to play really well and, and catch some breaks. Um, if they were to get through that and then play the Chiefs um, in Hamilton, uh, yeah, that's not a, that's not a you know, well, it's a, it's a tough game, but it's not as hard as I reckon the, the Brumbies have got to go all the way to South Africa. Um, so if the Reds were to, you know, to get through the Crusaders and the Chiefs and the Brumbies were to get through the Cheetahs and the Stormers, it'd actually be a Brumbies-Reds final with the Brumbies hosting it. Wow. So that that's the permutation we need to get both team both Aussie teams in. So we can get two teams into the final. Wow. So and and that yeah, playing each other. Yeah. Well, there's only two teams in a game, so if they both <laughs> fight, they'll have to play each other. I, I was wondering who was going to point that out. I'm like, uh, but, uh, 
freaking here, <laughs> uh, look, um, you know, you, you crack a couple of funnies on these things, mate, and you think you can just start rolling them out nonstop. <laughs> there was another joke in this podcast I counted tonight as well. Um, Alrighty, yeah. So there you go. So that that's that's all the super action kind of coming to a head. Um, we've done a preview. Well, talked about the cheaters and and how they might play. Trying to see if we can tease someone out to do one for the uh, Crusaders as well. Uh, and we'll have some other things running during the week. Um, but I think that's about it for that. Um, on other news uh, related to Super Rugby, though, Benji Marshall. So apparently he said he's not interested in the Tigers, so he's not going to be going back to them. Um, it sounds like it's going to be Super Rugby. Um, and then the question is, I understand, is that there's basically, it sounds like there's two teams in the hunt most of the smart money sounds to me like it's on the Blues um, in Auckland, especially with Ali Williams having moved on. Um, and that frees up a bit of budget. But then people are also talking about the Tars. Is this is this even possible with, you know, Israel Folau negotiations hopefully being cemented with a, a stack of cash? Where else would they find that sort of money? I don't know how they're going to get enough cash to make it worth his while. He, he'd have to take a pay cut. Um, if he went to the Waratahs, because he's not going to get what he gets from the Tigers now, or apparently what they offered him. They've put a good good offer on the table, and whatever's gone wrong there, he's walked away. The Blues probably got some ability to pay him some more. I think the what the word seems to be is that the Tars pitch might be, look, we'll let you go and play in Japan for a couple of months, which will you know get you a, a fair chunk of coin before you come here. So you'll end up with the same sort of money you'd get anyway and do some sort of sweetheart deal, but... Look, if the Tars could pull it off, you know, where does that leave them? They become the Galactico team, you know. So you, <laughs> you might have a back line of something like uh, Nick Phipps at halfback. Let's say Curtly uh, Beal at ten, because he's the other one that looks like he's about to sign for them. Um, let's try Rob Horn at twelve, Adam Ashley Cooper at thirteen, Falau on one wing, maybe Benji at fullback, um, and I don't know, say somebody like. Cam Crawford or Peter Beetham on the other wing, where does that leave Bernard Foley? I was going to say, you're not even finding a spot for him, are you? Well, if you, you bring in Marshall and you bring in Beale, you know, there's, there's your 10 and 15, you know, spots really. You know, yeah, Bernard Foley might get left out in the cold here and then might come to regret his decision to turn his back on the Rebels. Well, the one thing I would say is having read in the paper is that Marshall's made a lot of noises about having wanted to play for the All Blacks as a kid. Um, you know, being a Kiwi, as I understand it. Um, and if he wants to do that, then obviously he's going to need to play for the Blues uh, rather than the Waratahs, right? So I, I wonder if this was always... And I, I heard tonight on the radio, I think, that apparently the, the Tars, Jason Allen was saying the Tars had talked to Marshall um, a few times, um, you know, over past months and years. So I wonder if he was always kind of maybe a backup if they couldn't, um, either get or retain Falau that you know that chunk of cash was going to go towards you know another big leaguey, but I, I really struggle to see how they do too. Yeah, well, I, I don't think he. Maybe a few years ago he might have been good enough to make the All Blacks. I don't think he's good enough um, in terms of the way he's, his form has been over the last couple of years to rattle the All Blacks cage. In yeah, fact, I, don't I think so. I, I don't, don't even, even think he'd make the Wallabies. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he'd be a, a good super rugby player, um, but I can't see it going much further than that. How old is he? I mean, I've not. I have twenty-eight. Not, I've I've seen like probably about two minutes of highlights, 
but you know, I've never seen the guy live in a match of any code. I heard some radio tonight. He said he's about 28, 28 yeah. years old, um, and he, yeah, a shadow of the former player he was. Mm. I don't know if that's just his board with what he's doing. And but I mean, a lot of people talk about him being, you know, Quaid-like, except less defensively strong. Yeah, he has got a problem with his defence. Um, yeah, in attack what, then then Quaid. Oh, yes. It's worse than Quaid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. So um, imagine a Quaid that can't tackle. Okay. And doesn't really... Well, I can. Hasn't, and, hasn't, and hasn't played the game his entire life, so doesn't really have that innate understanding of how it all goes together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're pretty much talking about him. Okay. Then make sure he's out of form, and that's what we're talking about signing. Yeah, yeah. and you'd probably find him, you know, um, running the ball a lot himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, great footwork. He's got he's got the Quaid footwork. He's got, you know, probably not the pass is not as good, but it, it's pretty good left and right. Can throw some amazing balls, some fantastic offloads. So you know he, he's probably going to take the ball the line the ball to the line a little more um, than he needs to in rugby if he did come and play. Uh, I don't think he could be a ten. You know, that's a big step to go from, you know, league having not played union if he played at all when he was a school kid, to suddenly be a 10. So, and look, but he can kick the ball. Very good kicker of the ball. So 15's probably his spot. Mm. Um, but, yeah, if you look at Falau, Beal, and Marshall, that's a lot of money the Tars got to find, particularly when they've lost their major sponsor. Well, maybe we're looking in the wrong direction there. What about the Rebels? I mean, you know, a couple of big names walking out of there. There's going to be a bit of dough lying around, and there's... Well, I'd say there's definitely space at 10. Would that make more sense? I don't know that it makes sense for the Rebels. Mm. Honestly, to take a guy who's played league in that position straight into 10, you know, your whole team's going to be beholden to whether that guy can learn to play 10. Mm. Um, it's, that's a hard ask. Mm. And whilst he's played you know, in, that, in a very similar position in league, the games are so different. Yeah. So I, th- I think that, you know, they're building the way they want to actually build that team, if they, if they then had to run their whole team around a guy who's brand new in a position like that, I think it could set them back. Okay. All righty. Well, that's the, the, man, the, the Marshall scandal. Um, there is a guy on Twitter, John Cooper, was hope, who was asking us to get a bit of a, um, a no-way Benji uh, campaign going. I must admit, I just didn't feel strongly enough about it to kind of amplify it one way or another. Um, but um, yeah, it's, he's, he's not sounding like the get that uh, maybe he would have been a few years back. Um, okay, other bits of news. Um, Scott, I think you've got something that was around the National Academy, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the story's been, been released that, you know, I know the headlines are Super B looks a possibility, but, you know, that's really all on the back of the ARU has formally announced, and they've told the players in the National Academies in Brisbane and Sydney that they're disbanding the ARU Academies, which was put in place, oh, I think, three years ago now uh, by David Nusifora. So before that, we had, you know, most of the franchises had their own academies. The ARU was tipping some money in. The ARU said, look, let's, um, let's control our costs a little bit by bringing it all in-house. We'll just have one academy in Brisbane, one in Sydney. So that meant, you know, people like um, the Force and the Brumbies were left with no money for their own programs. And basically, if you needed a player, well, you had to tap into someone in Brisbane and Sydney who 
you know, could have been play, training under different calls and different way to pass the ball or throw it in a line out or whatever, and then you've got to bring them in a week before a game. And look, the, the Super Rugby teams were never happy with it, um, and they actually ended up setting up, you know, effectively their own academies without money from the ARU. So the ARU has now said to the guys who I think were drew, due for contracts again in September, we're not contracting you. You now have to go and deal with the state franchises. Um, but I understand they've said to the state franchise at this stage, well, we're not giving any money for it. They're your babies now. You've got your own academy. You've got to pay for it. So there's a, there's a dispute going on about you know, whether, how much the ARU should tip in for each franchise to have their own academy, on, which would then form the Super B team that Bill Pulver has been talking about. So the Super B concept, you know, it's all the building blocks are there. It's just who's going to pay for it all. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it all makes sense until you get to that bit. Um, all right, so that sounds like there's going to be plenty of wrangling uh, going on. Yeah, so that you know, our, our best young players, and that's basically who was in the academy. You know, all I think ninety percent of our under twenties were in the academies. They're all now, you know, on the open market. So one of the things that the ARU wanted to stop last time was you were getting super franchises, you know, bidding for the next hot thing. You know, and they'd start saying, look, you know, we'll give you, you know, 25000 Well, no, we'll give you 30000 and then a car if you come live in Sydney or we'll give you this much if you come to Perth. And, of course, the costs kept going up and up and placing pressures on. So basically they said, look, we'll take all the competition out of the market we're the only employer, the ARU that is, and you know they were earning guys between three and fifteen thousand dollars a year. So we're back into a free market situation, um, but you know effectively that means there are about seventy to eighty um, of our best young players on the market, and the franchises will now have to be scrambling to sign up the best and get their mix right and. They're going to have to start doing that even without knowing whether they're getting any money from the AAU because if you sit back and wait for the money to be sorted out, the top talent could be signed by whoever, the Reds, the Tars. You know, so um, it's going to be an interesting contracting period over the next two months, I'd reckon. Jeez, that sounds like a bloody... That's a right headache. Um, all righty. So, well, I think that's about it for this week. Um, just a reminder of the games on the weekend, uh, Crusaders hosting the Reds, and that's going to be a 5.30 kickoff, our time on Saturday. And then Sunday is the Brumbies hosting the Cheetahs, and that's a, uh, a 4.10 kickoff, Canberran time, um, I understand. Um, so uh, anyway, two big games this weekend. be fascinating to see how that works out. And I should say we've got a big guest lined up for next week as well, just to tease that a little bit. Um, you mean physically large or? Uh, yeah, intimidating is the word do you I want to, use. Do you want to check who it is? Uh, no, it's all right. I've got a pretty good idea. It's burnt in my mind uh, okay. who that person would be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, yeah, good one for next week. Look forward to that. Um, good to have you guys on. Thanks very much. Um, Timsey, how, how's life, mate? Is everything all right with you? Yeah, yeah not too bad. I'm, um, I'm just waiting now. I was very, very pumped after the, the coaching announcement for the Wallabies. And, mm. um, you know, I put a few plans into action and I'm excited. <laughs> but, um, you know, now I've just got to wait. Yeah, I, I think the next bit there is going to be when we, you know, the coaching team, yeah? I think that, yeah. that'll, be, that'll be the next thing we can get excited about. Yeah. For now, there's not a lot to go on, is there? No. Uh, well, 
The next one we need to know is who's the backs coach? Mm. Wow, the idea so. of having a backs coach. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds it, radical and new age and stuff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, since 2007. Yeah. Anyway. And realistically, you know, that's, that's probably going to wait until the Brumbies and the Reds are out. Yeah. Um, you know, well, everyone's, you know, well, the, the, one of the favourites or one of the pe- people that guys are keen on is Bernie Larkham, so... Mm. Well, you'd think between him and then uh, 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 Jim Mackay, up yeah. at, you know, up at the Reds. But either one of those franchises aren't going to want to lose. I mean, definitely the Reds for both of those guys to move would be a bit harsh, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, look, I, that to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, mm. Link has a good working relationship with Jim Mackay. Knows the sort of way he wants to play. Um, the real the reality is that you know let's say the Reds are in it for another two or three weeks. Link's not going to have a lot of time between the end of when the Reds finish playing to actually get a team together and you know make changes to the way he wants to play, um, even select a team. So for him to go with somebody that he hasn't worked with for a long time, or somebody that he's never worked with, he, he's going to have to you know spend a couple of weeks getting used to him. And then sort of it's all going to be a bit rushed. So, as I said last week, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes with someone he knows. The other bit that's going to be fascinating is just to see, you know, how big's the checkbook, you know, to go out and get these guys and, and, and how many. And, and maybe it's not just checkbook, how many he wants, you know. I mean, um, I guess we got used over, for some reason, over Robbie's uh, reign that, you know, he felt that they didn't need, th- you know, things like line-out coaches and things like that at stages and, we you know, the kicking got done through Skype and there was never any backs coach. It'll be interesting. I mean, I think people have already said things like, well, you know, Link's not going to need a forwards coach or a, or a breakdown coach. He can do that. But, you know, in the bigger teams, you know, the, the head coach doesn't do that anymore. You know, he kind of doesn't have an on um, you know, doesn't really have an on-field role. And I, it'll be interesting to see what he does, um, in, you know, with that regard. I mean, I, for example, the guy we've had on the podcast tonight, I just think would be a fantastic um, guy to take on that role. I mean, if you look at what he's done with the Brumbies and what he's brought back um, to Australia. Um, anyway, so it'll be fascinating. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Um, Laurie would be great. I, I tend to think that, again, because he's got limited time, that he's probably going to keep Andrew Blades as, you know, at least the scrum coach. Um, because I think that is a that is a role that needs somebody you know who's very um, hands on there. Line out, I think he'd be mad not to continue the consultancy role at least for the rugby championship with Nathan Sharp. Because again, there's there's a guy there who knows what he's doing, got a lot out of them in the Lions tests, um, and it, even if it was only for the rugby championship and on a consulting role, um, you know that would be there. He needs a backs coach probably hasn't got time to put a kicking coach in place. Maybe he can find one, um, or even on a short-term mm. consulting. Um, you know, probably, I, I think if, you know, if anyone might be dangling out there, maybe Nick Scrivener, because I think Link would want to keep the team pretty um, pretty small mm. because he's not going to have a lot of time. He's not going to want everybody doing a bit. I think he's going to be pretty hands-on in the first period, so during the rugby championship, and then he might expand out, you know, to have somebody focusing on the breakdown later on in the year. Mm. Um, so maybe he takes on some breakdown roles. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Link, backs coach, and I, I, I think it would be Jim Mackay, Andrew Blades is, you know, forwards coach, but mainly on the scrums, and, and Sharpie doing consultancy work on the line-out. And then bring, he brings a consultant kicking coach in just for the rugby championship 
you know, that wouldn't be a bad mix. Mm. Yeah. No, I tend to think, agree with you that uh, he can always build on, right? Um, and that might be the way he goes. Also, as he susses out what it is they need. Anyway, look, that was, uh, well, that was impromptu. We hadn't even planned on talking about that. Um, so thanks for coming on again, guys. Um, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And um, here's to a good weekend for the Aussie teams. Yeah, let's pray we've got two games to talk about coming up next week. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Right. Thanks, everybody. Okay, Cheers, thanks, everyone. Seven